Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. Great to be back on live as opposed to the pre-recorded show on Monday, which, listen, it has its place. Pre-recording podcasts have their place, but doing it live with, you know, responding to comments, like that's, that's, that is the fun part of it, uh, getting to interact uh, with you, the audience. We have got a loaded show on tap today, okay? Jill McBride-Baxter, she's a longtime NFL agent. She will be joining the show in about 25 minutes to talk about NIL deals, to talk about, uh, uh, you, know, you know, the draft process and what's that, what that's like for an agent, as well as her background, how she got into the sports business. She's got a, she's got a book, she's got a podcast. Her father was a Hall of Fame head coach in college. Looking forward to have her on the show and, and really pick her brain about all the ins and outs uh, of the business of, of, of college football and pro football, for that matter. Also getting get into the Lakers. I, I, again, I'm seeing so much negativity among Laker Nation. I'm not a Lakers fan at all. Like, matter of fact, I don't really like the Lakers in the slightest. Uh, but I think there's actually a huge positive to take away from that game. Uh, uh, you know, that game two loss to Memphis with a series tie of 1-1 going back to L.A. Uh, and a big... You know, further, I guess, reinforcing an idea that I've had about the Memphis Grizzlies for about a year that showed itself once again in game two. I'll get into that, as well as at the end of the show, talking about Jalen Hurts. We talked about this is an offseason where where a lot of quarterbacks are getting paid. Hurts was going to get paid. Herbert's going to get paid. Burrow's going to get paid. Lamar Jackson, that's still kind of up in the air. Well, take one off the board. Jalen Hurts got a massive contract, well deserved by the Philadelphia Eagles. I will tell you why Philadelphia set up really, really well the next decade with him as their signal caller. But first, there's only one way to start the show. And if I wasn't having, if I wasn't, you know, do, interviewing an NFL agent, a very accomplished NFL agent, you know, I want to look, you know, good. I want to look uh, presentable to the camera, as, as I always do. But you, you want to have a certain level of respect for your guest. I probably would have come on here with a Draymond Green jersey. Because Draymond Green has been suspended for tonight's Game 3 against the Sacramento Kings, and let's just dive right into it. Uh, if you haven't seen the video because you are living under a rock, that's okay. We've got it right here. So here's the play. Uh, you're going to see a little floater here by Malik Monk. Draymond goes up to contest. Watch Demonis Sabonis and Draymond Green. Okay, Sabonis falls down, grabs Draymond's ankle, and then there's a clear stop by Draymond on Sabonis's chest. You'll see it again here from another angle. Steph grabs a rebound. Okay, there's Sabonis grabbing the ankle, trying to pull the old Matt Jones uh, on, on Brian Burns a couple years ago. And then Draymond, in response, stomps uh, Sabonis. Again, we'll show it again. And this resulted in a flagrant one being assessed to Sabonis and a flagrant two and an automatic ejection being assessed uh, for Draymond Green. 
Um, keep in mind, this is a tight game. This is a four-point game. Seven minutes left in the, uh, the fourth quarter of this game, too, which the Kings went on to win and take a 2-0 series lead. Now, I tweeted almost immediately after it happened. That is a flagrant two on Draymond Green and that he should get thrown out of this game. On second thought, I still stand by those comments. On second thought, I'm thinking, I'm not so sure Sabonis shouldn't have also been ejected, you know, from the game because he initiated everything. Like, he, even the the NBA's uh, office, uh, uh, Joe Dumars, former player in the NBA, won a couple championships with the bad boy Pistons, making it all the more ironic that he's the one who administered the discipline for Draymond Green. But... Even the NBA acknowledged, yes, Sabonis started this whole thing. Draymond's not just going to stop Sabonis for no reason. That's that's He's not going to do that. And so here's my take. So Draymond uh, gets the boot for game three of the series. Obviously a very pivotal game three, considering the fact that if Golden State loses, even I can admit as a Warriors fan, if we drop this game tonight, it's a wrap. No team in the NBA history has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. As much as I love my Warriors, as much as I believe that my Warriors will win the series, that will change after tonight. If we lose this game and now one of the key players is out in it, there's a lot to break down from this particular suspension. To me, the first thing that I've heard a lot of people saying is that, and it's what Joe Dumar said, as a matter of fact, in his uh, explanation for the suspension of Draymond Green, we don't have it on the screen, but I do have this uh, right here on my phone. Uh, he was talking about uh, Draymond's history. Um, it says a Golden State Warriors forward Draymond Green has been suspended one game without pay for stepping on the chest of Sacramento Kings center DeMontis Sabonis. It was announced today by Joe Dumars, executive vice president, head of basketball operations. The suspension was based in part on Draymond uh, on Green's history of unsportsmanlike acts. So this is fascinating. So it is undeniable. It is undeniable that Draymond pushes the envelope. He's made a career out of it. He's in his 11th year in the NBA. He's won four championships with the Golden State Warriors. He's always you know, pushed the envelope a little bit. I can think of one instance in which he crossed it. 2016, not the LeBron play, because that was bogus that they tossed him out of, uh, or suspended him for game five. They, they call that a flagrant. LeBron stepped over him, for crying out loud. It's the kick to Steven Adams' groin. And I think that, I think it was game three of the Western Conference Finals in 2016. We all know Draymond turned into a rocket on that play, totally unprovoked, and kicked Steven Adams in the one area where a man does not want to be kicked. That, to me, warranted a suspension. I remember thinking at the time uh, when, when they announced Draymond's going to play game four, I was like, boy, we dodged a bullet. I can't believe he didn't get suspended for this game four. We are punishing Draymond Green for an act... That happened seven years ago. Unsportsmanlike. So we talking about technical fouls? Because <laughs> to me, technical fouls aren't dirty. Technical fouls are you mouthed off to a ref. You maybe said a few words you probably shouldn't have. Yeah, you, you get up in their face. You don't like the, the you know a call that they made, and they tee you up. It's unsportsmanlike in theory, but it's not an unsportsmanlike play. That's very very different. The second thing. And this is why I have zero sympathy for Demonis Sabonis, because people tell me, "Oh, he's you know he's hurt." And the Kings came out. Demonis Sabonis is questionable for Game Three. He's playing Game Three. Okay, Demonis Sabonis was so injured <laughs> in, in the last seven minutes of that game. I saw him getting buckets inside. He had a dunk there at the end that sealed the deal. He was chest bumping his teammates. 
Don't give me the adrenaline excuse. I'm, I'm sorry. If I've if got it, I've got what they call it, a chest contusion. I'll high five my teammates. I'll uh, fist bump my teammates. I'll celebrate. Yeah, I am not chest bumping my teammates if my chest really hurts that bad. That's just me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm going crazy. Maybe I'm going out on a limb with that. And what I think is also interesting about the suspension is the fact that there has been so much controversy around it. And the fact that what has been, because the reality is Joe Dumars is the guy who's making all the public statements, right? He's the guy going on ESPN uh, on the NBA Today with uh, Malika Andrews, and he's going, he's talking to Woj and all, all the above. He's doing all the interviews. He's doing all the press. I'm not saying he didn't make the final decision, but I'm also not saying Adam Silver didn't have any input on this. Of course, Adam Silver was at the game. He saw Draymond Green step on the Monte Sabonis, get the flagrant two. In the process of the official re officials reviewing the flagrant two, he's, quote-unquote, inciting the crowd, right? And again, Adam Silver is, is in the stands, in Sacramento at the Golden One Center, watching this all play out. To me, this is a knock on Adam Silver more than it is Joe Dumars. This is Joe Dumars, if I'm not mistaken, his first year on the job. Here's why I think Adam Silver had more of a part to play in this than some might think. What has been the number one criticism of Commissioner Silver? I don't want to say since he came into the NBA, because his first real big act in the NBA as the commissioner was like two months in when he banned Donald Sterling for life from the NBA. And that was like a, wow, this 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 guy, this new commissioner replacing the late great David Stern, wow, he's he's got guts to do that. And obviously it was the right decision, but he stepped in. He said, you're done. You are banned for life from the NBA. You are forced to sell the Los Angeles Clippers for uh, obviously the incredibly racist comments made in that video. But what has been over the last few years when you talk about low management, when you talk about uh, you know some players switching teams, which I don't have a huge issue with as much as some might, it's that the biggest criticism of the commissioner is he's too soft on the players. He's too player-friendly. He caves into the players too much. He lets too many things slide, almost like a substitute teacher, if you will. This was Adam Silver's opportunity to put his foot down and say, no, I am still the commissioner. I'm still, everything goes through me. And Draymond Green is going to be the guy I make an example out of. I mean, is there really a player that would better suit this mold for the commissioner? A guy who is outspoken. Obviously, we know about the podcast, which, by the way, is doing very, very well right now. I saw it was nominated for some podcast award. Hats off, Draymond. But... Outspoken player, obviously, is almost always is either leading the league in technical fouls or in the top five. We understand he's incredibly physical, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. Catalyst for the greatest dynasty since the 90s Bulls. Very high-profile player. If there was ever a player to make an example out of for Commissioner Silver, it's Draymond Green. What Adam Silver did was he caved to media. And he caved to fans who have been making this claim about him for the last few years or so. Oh, he's too, he's too soft on the players. He's like, oh, I, no, I'm not. I'm going to suspend Draymond Green. I'm going to take him out of a pivotal game in the first round of the playoffs. That's what I think is comical about this entire situation. And notice, too, I'm seeing a lot of, oh, is Draymond more worth, is, is, should the Warriors move on 
you know, it, it should it be the Warriors' decision, essentially, to move on from Draymond Green after the season is over. Has he become more trouble than he's worth? It's funny, I see uh, Bob Myers speaking out in favor of Draymond Green. I've seen Steve Kerr speak out in favor of Draymond Green. I saw immediately after the game, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson speak in favor of Draymond Green. A report came from, I think it was Ramona Shelburne of ESPN, that the Warriors are livid. The players, the organization, everybody are livid that Draymond was suspended for this pivotal game three. I think it's really interesting because you see some trying to, uh, you know, switch the narrative and say, well, this is the second time he's gotten suspended from the playoffs in his career and second time he's he's putting the team in a bad spot to play without him. If the team really felt that way, do you think they would be defending him as adamantly as they would be? With as much conviction as they are? I'm just going to leave that at the table. The Draymond Green suspension is ridiculous. It's crazy. It's, it is it is an indictment on Adam Silver. It's an indictment on Joe Dumars and the entire NBA. To take a key player out of a series in a situation where obviously the Golden State Warriors have to win. And, I, and, and I'd say the same thing if it was Demonis Sabonis. I don't think anybody should be suspended for Game 3. I know a lot of people talking about the officiating and maybe it being a little bit one side for Sacramento. That's to be expected because, it, again, the game's going to be played in Sacramento the first two games. I anticipate it'll the pendulum will sort of swing the other way for games three and four. The officiating is going to be a little bit more in the Warriors' favor. That that that's how the playoffs go. Physical basketball is part of it. Draymond should have been ejected from game two, and he was. But this feels like, in some ways, a commissioner in sort of showing a little bit of insecurity. Making an example out of a player who is always one of the most talked about, uh, you know, second or third best player on a good team in the NBA. And I, I think it's, it's, it's really, as I said, it's comical that the National Basketball Association uh, did this. And I think I, I I can see a situation, a scenario in which this actually turns the other way. This actually creates momentum for Golden State as opposed to 2016 where they're on the cusp of a title. Up 3-1 on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Difference is that Cavs team had this guy. You may have heard of him. Uh, what's his name? Oh, LeBron James. Yeah, they had, they had, a, they had that guy. They had that Kyrie Irving dude. He, he's he's kind of got the ball in a string, and they had a tremendous roster, a tremendous coach in, in Ty Lue. No disrespect to the Sacramento Kings. Y'all aren't exactly the 2016 Cavs. I don't think I'm going out on a limb and saying the Kings aren't going to win the championship this year. So, this team's been there. This team's done that. This team's seen every scenario imaginable over the last decade. I anticipate they'll respond tonight. They'll win comfortably tonight. I anticipate they'll win game four on Sunday with Draymond back in the building. You know the energy will be incredible at the Chase Center. And then the question is, can they steal a road game in game five? That remains to be seen. Uh, But this suspension is crazy. Crazy by the NBA. Got a comment here from Barry of the All Even Podcast. He says, DeMontis DeMontis Van Gundy. The NBA showed how fickle they are and have no opinion for themselves as they cave to public pressure. It's disgraceful how soft the NBA is. Can't believe I'm defending Dre. Yeah, that's the thing. You're seeing a lot of people who don't like Draymond Green that are now being forced. I saw Mad Dog the other day on ESPN who cannot stand Draymond Green defending Draymond. And that's something else, too. I have seen those who are talking out of both sides of their mouth. Like, well, 
you know, we wanted to go back to the the old 80s basketball, 90s, where, you know, people are basically tackling each other, like what, what the Pistons did to, to Jordan. And I think it was the ni- 1990 Conference Finals, the Jordan Rules, the book that was written by Sam Smith. Remember, they're basically tackling Jordan midair. I mean, what would be a flagrant two in today's NBA? We want that old school physical basketball. But when Draymond Green does, oh, now it's a problem. You've got to remove this guy from the series. Now, those that aren't consistent on that belief, on that viewpoint, I got nothing to say. At least you're consistent. But those who aren't, pipe down just a little bit because you're making yourself look really, really stupid. Demonis Sabonis injured. Okay, yeah. Chest bumping in the last seven minutes of game, getting buckets. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, like I said, it, it is it is as comical as it gets. And that's, that's, why, that's why I have a problem when players of previous generations when you know you know some people say the nba players are soft i'm like no they're not the league is the rules put in place have given that impression the way the game is officiated has given that impression it's not the players players will adjust the players will adjust to whatever you know it needs to be uh put in y'all's way or put in their way i don't know I'll see John Rivera just just trying to as if let's go Yankees isn't bad enough. Which by the way the I think the Yankees actually actually I don't know if they lost last night or I don't think they did. But anyways, John John says Kings at four. J.K. No, they're not they're not sweeping the. I'm seeing some people talk about all oh, the Kings could sweep, they're not sweeping the Warriors. Stop. They're, they're not sweeping the Warriors. Warriors aren't getting swept. We 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 don't do that. We too good for that. Moving on to the team that I still maintain. Golden State's going to play in the second round because I think they are going to win this series, and dare I say, they may just win out. Win the next two at home, steal game five. That's the game that I'm really kind of on the edge of my seat for, but if you steal game five, go up 3-2, this baby's over in six. That Sacramento's not going to Golden State and winning game six. That's not happening. But the team I anticipate that they will see in the second round is the Los Angeles Lakers. I picked them to beat Memphis in seven games before the series began. They lost last night 103-93 in Game 2 of that series. And, you know, it's safe to say that Anthony Davis was uh, underwhelming. Made just four more shots than you and I did sitting at home watching the game. He went 4 for 14 with 13 points. Uh, now he had five blocks, so he, but he, you know, that's we kind of expect that from AD. But on the offensive end, Anthony Davis was, uh, he was nowhere to be found. But I'm seeing a lot of negativity by Lakers fans over the last little less than 24 hours since the game concluded, and I don't get it. If it's towards Anthony Davis, okay, I understand that to a certain degree, but I would also make the argument this is kind of what you expect at this stage from AD. I mean, I actually kind of I, I gave him a new nickname last night. It's, I'm going to call I, I you know I I throw AD always down, which I'm still going to stick with that, but. I'm going to call him Coin Flip Davis from here on out. Coin Flip Davis. Because it's a coin flip. Which guy are you going to get? It's a coin flip on his health. And it's a coin flip on which guy are you going to get from a night-to-night basis. It could be the game 1 AD where he gives you a double-double. What was like five or six blocks and is just dominating the game. Off an injury, by the way, in the second half. Or you could get the AD last night where he fails to get double-digit rebounds. And he barely breaks into double-digit scoring. Okay, he took he he had more shot attempts than he did points last night. But a few things to look at. I expected the Grizzlies to win that game. 
because the Grizzlies lose game two, they probably get swept, if we're being honest. Because if the Lakers are like, we don't even play that well in game two, we win game two on the road, they're taking games three and four in L.A. Memphis has no chance at that point. Uh, and I still think the Lakers are going to win this series. But if you're L.A., okay, you play terrible in the first half. Terrible. You're down 15 at the half. LeBron doesn't have his best game in the world. AD's awful. D'Angelo Russell cannot buy a shot. What did D'Lo shoot last night? It was He was horrible. Uh, two for 11. One for five from three at five points. D'Angelo Russell was awful last night on both ends. Okay, Darvin Ham's game plan was as confusing as it gets. With no John Morant, why are you doubling guys at the top of the key when you consider the fact that Memphis has shooters outside of Dylan Brooks? Everywhere. Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard, Tyus Jones can knock down the three. Like, I, I don't get what they're doing there. Memphis is at home. They're playing without John Morant, which is a positive for them, as I'll get into a little bit later. And that was a six-point game with three minutes left. That game should have been over. And yet, this was a contest in the final minutes. If I'm the Lakers, I'm like, okay, we completely outplayed them in the fourth quarter of game one. We got, I mean, the goal for the Lakers going into Memphis, split. We get the split. We steal home court advantage. We're all good from here. And I know some are criticizing Darvin Ham again, about a very questionable game plan on his part with John Morant off the court, off the floor. I don't think Memphis is good enough to expose that. We all know. It's, it's the age-old rule in the NBA playoffs. Role players are better at home than they are on the road. They're more comfortable. They know the rims, you know, playing in front of, uh, you know, the familiarity of, of, of the home arena and the fans and all that. It's going to be the guys like D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, who, by the way, had another good game too. So what are we going to get from Rui at home? It's those guys, gonna, guys that are going to step up, and it's the guys like Kennard, Brooks, maybe Desmond Bain won't play as well. Tyus Jones might not be quite as effective. It's the age-old rule in the NBA playoffs. Role players are better at home than they are on the road. Significantly better. And this was actually this game actually was in doubt with three minutes left. Like, I don't know. The Lakers are getting hot here. They they may just steal this one. Now, Memphis, you know, Dylan Brooks made a shot there at the end. But if I'm the Lakers, I actually feel pretty good about where I'm at. I played my D minus game. Or maybe, maybe that's too harsh. My C minus game. And we could have easily won. Against a team that's better without its best player. That may sound like an oxymoron, but again, as I've said for the longest time, how many, I've been saying this for a year. And this sort of shifted into my second topic on this game before we get to our guest. The Grizzlies are a substantially better team without John Morant. This isn't a five, six game sample, folks. We have, let me make sure I'm getting the numbers uh, on this correct because it is mind-boggling from a record standpoint, but not from a basketball standpoint if you actually watch the games. The Memphis Grizzlies are, let's make sure I get this right. Hold on. Okay, the Memphis Grizzlies without John Morant this season, or I'm sorry, the last couple of seasons are 33-13. and 13. Just let that sink in uh, for a moment. 33-13 and 13 without John Morant. Why is that, you ask? John Morant is a ball-dominant player. He's not a good shooter, so he's not going to be effective off the ball. He's also terrible defensively. So that's a defensive liability off the floor, 
Tyus Jones, who competes his tail off on the defensive end, who's a far more, quote-unquote, pure point guard, at, more so than John Moran is, is a better shooter than John Morant, so the floor is more spaced out, which is why Darvin Ham's game plan was all the more confusing, and fits better into what Memphis likes to do offensively. They like to play kind of that, like that five out. They'll put Jaron Jackson in the post, but Jaron Jackson can knock down the three. He's got a, a weird-looking jump shot. It's like a push shot, like Papa shot, but it's, it's fairly effective. I think the evidence has kind of been overwhelming over the last year. And it's why I say... Would it be absurd for the Grizzlies to move on from John Moran and maybe get another star player in return that would fit their system better? Dare I say, I'm going to throw out his name again. Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard wouldn't have to be great defensively in Memphis because he's got great defenders all around him. Heck, he's got right now he's got the defensive player of the year in Jaron Jackson. Been saying this for a year. When, and it's like when, when people talk about, oh, the Grizzlies would have beaten the Warriors last year if there was uh, if John Morant was healthy. I'm like, no, actually, the Warriors would have won in five if John Morant was healthy. Because the last game Ja played, uh, Golden State won by 40. And Ja was great in that game. I remember he might have scored 30 points. Golden State routed the Grizzlies. Game four came down to the wire. Game five, the Grizzlies smoked the Warriors. They were up like 55 points or something crazy. Game six, until Steph and Clay went on like a tear in the last five minutes, that game was in doubt with six minutes to go. I think the evidence is kind of overwhelming at this point. They're better offensively. They're better defensively. And the most important stat of all, they win more games. They're 33-13. and 13. 20 games over 500 without John Morant. It's something to at least consider in the long run if you're the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, let's see. Uh, John Rivera is 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 100% right on Anthony Davis. He says, can't let Tillman outplay. Yeah, Xavier Tillman, I think he had 22 last night. Uh, he was fantastic all night long. Uh, and uh, Barry says, my negativity is towards my towards my Lakers is directed at Darvin Ham. The Lakers have struggled all year against teams that don't have a superstar. These defensive concepts are so stupid against basic offenses. Double teaming wings, make it make sense. Off-the-ball action with Braun in the post with Jared Vanderbilt. Who, by the way, was did not have a good game last night. It got so bad, Braun had to take the clip. Where, yeah, I saw that in between timeouts. LeBron's drawn up plays, which it's kind of the what I've always said about LeBron is he's outside of maybe Eric Spolstra in Miami. And you could argue maybe Mike Brown, because Mike Brown actually coached LeBron in Cleveland. Outside of maybe those two. And Ty Lue, to a certain degree, there's not a coach that, that LeBron has ever had to me, that has had a higher basketball IQ than him. It's kind of like, it's like Peyton Manning a little bit. Like, I don't like Peyton ever had an offensive coordinator in his NFL career that knew, that was a, that was smarter on, on the, the, the whiteboard or drawing up plays or certainly calling audibles as Peyton was. Uh, so that's, against the LeBron James, the Peyton Manning syndrome of, uh, you know, like, how do you coach those guys? Like, it's kind of a, a weird spot to be in. But again, game plan wise, what Darvin Ham was doing made zero sense. And that's something, again, a positive thing as well to take for the Lakers. That was a 20 point Grizzlies lead about midway through the third quarter. It kind of felt like from that point on, the, 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 the Lakers were in complete control of that game. Uh, so we will, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, again, waiting for uh, our next guest to, um, to join the show. But I, it's something else too. This came in, gosh, this came in about an hour and a half or so before uh, we went live. And that's that Kawhi Leonard 
is out for game three against the Phoenix Suns. I'll say this. Phoenix should route the Clippers. You know, the Clippers don't have a home court. They play with the Lakers. Play The, the Clippers do not have a home court advantage. Like I said, 13 people in the world are, are Clippers fans. You got Billy Crystal. You got, uh, I think, Clipper Daryl. You got Marcel Swiley. Like, there's, there's not many. Uh, they, the other seats are just filled with either a, fans of the opposing team or people who just got tickets for free outside of the Crypto.com arena. But so you have that aspect of it. No Kawhi Leonard. Here's what I'll say. You guys know I'm not a Westbrook fan. Westbrook has always been at his best. He's always put up his best numbers when it's solo, when there's no other superstar around him. All I'm saying is don't be surprised if this is a tight game late in the fourth quarter. Um, it's, I'm telling you, that this is not, this is not a series that, I, again, when people are talking about, oh, this series is going to be over and people talking about Phoenix sweeping, I'm like, you're crazy. You know what Kawhi Leonard does in the playoffs? I mean, you know what? You know, the Clippers have in terms of depth. The head coaching battle was going to be fascinating with Ty Lu and Monty Williams. Uh, <laughs> Ty Lu has been uh, slightly, uh, yeah, Ty, Ty Lu has been slightly better in, than Monty Williams in that regard in terms of adjustments. Um, so look, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see where this uh, series continues to go. Uh, like I said, trying to, I don't know if the link isn't working um, for, for Jill, uh, trying to get her on the show. Uh, Let's see. See if I can make sure she's able to to get in here. But uh, no, look, looking forward to having her on, especially with the NFL draft. And this feels like a good time to promote this. The carve and not the carving it up. The grid. So here you go. The grid network. NFL draft 2023 live reaction show. Again, promoting this up until the draft. Uh, this is my graphic. I don't know if it's going to be the final graphic. We, we, we sort of leave those duties to uh, to Ryan because he's he's the best in the world at it. But the Grid 2023 NFL Draft Live Reaction Show is going to be next Thursday, so a week from tonight at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific time. Uh, probably going to be on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, uh, at the Grid Network. So definitely be sure to check that stuff out. Uh, I'm going to be uh, the host. Uh, Barry's going to be on there. Uh, Ryan, who's been, you know, just just grinding through the tape as we speak. Probably he's probably watching tape right now about you know, these prospects doing these mock drafts, looking at he's film breakdowns on Clutch Sports Talk. If you haven't checked his stuff out, please go do so and definitely give him a follow on social and a subscribe. Uh, hit the subscribe button to his YouTube channel and on the grid. But he's doing phenomenal work. He's going to be a part of it. Uh, Alfred from the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast, Metropolitan Report. He'll be there. Uh, Jamel might be there. Jamel Crothers, who is uh, the primary uh, writer for the Grid's website. He'll be a part of the stream. He was on my show a month ago to talk March Madness. Uh, so, listen, all of the above, it's, it's going to be it's going to be uh, John Rivera. I need to be on. Listen, listen, John, John wants to be a part of this. It's, it's, it's a party here at the grid. And by the way, we also have some, some new faces that we have uh, recently added to the grid network, some new incredible content creators, great guys looking forward to, uh, to kind of introducing you to them. Uh, but it's definitely going to be exciting, but you, you know, it's uh, who else would be, uh, gosh, Par, uh, Parnell from the commander's demand podcast is, is going to be a part of it as well. Uh, so he's, you know, I'm looking forward to to having him on uh, the Grids Draft Show uh, again. I I have yet to. I'm not really sure what's what's going on right now with this. Uh, with I don't know if the link isn't working or what, or if there was a miscommunication in terms of a time. But we'll wait for 
Uh, for Jill McBride Baxter, again, she's an NFL agent. She's going to be joining the show hopefully pretty soon. So I'll go ahead and move on to the next topic that I had in mind. And it actually involves the NFL, and ironically enough, it involves contracts. Jalen Hurts got the bag from the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I think it was like five years, over 250 mil. I think it was 177 guaranteed, something in that ballpark. Uh, so Jalen Hurts gets paid. Again, we knew that this was going to be the offseason of the star quarterbacks getting paid. Burrow's going to get, I don't know what Burrow's going to get. Uh, Herbert's going to get paid this offseason. Again, Lamar is still question mark. I'm kind of up in the air to, you know, we're, we're, we'll see how that turns out. And Jalen Hurts, who, listen, I had doubts about him coming into this past season. I questioned his ability to, to uh, push the ball down the field. Arm strength, accuracy was always a little bit of a question for me, certainly dating back to his days at Alabama and at Oklahoma in college. Uh, it, it, was, it was always kind of a, a concern for his, uh, of his rather. But what did Philadelphia do? What any smart organization does. They say it's, it's what the Dolphins did with Tua. And obviously did not pan, as, as, pan out as well as Miami, in Miami as, as it did in Philadelphia. The organization completely buys in. Okay, a quarterback is on their rookie deal. We're not paying them a whole lot of money, especially Jalen, because he, he was a second-round pick. We're going to go out and get A.J. Brown. We're going to go out and bolster the defense, get C.J. Gardner-Johnson, uh, We're, we're gonna, which who I believe left, if I'm not mistaken. We're going to go out and get uh, Darius Slay uh, the year prior, a couple years prior. Right, we're going to, uh, to add Robert Quinn at the trade deadline. Devontae Smith, we've already drafted. He's there. Dallas Goddard. They made these moves, put these moves in place to essentially say, okay, the roster's fine. What do you have, Jalen? Well, what Jalen had was a second-place finish for MVP and playing the guy who won MVP, Patrick Mahomes, toe-to-toe in the biggest game of all, the granddaddy of them all, the Super Bowl, which I believe, because Jalen had a... Listen, Jalen didn't have to be great in their first playoff, couple playoff games against the Giants in the divisional round and against, certainly against the 49ers who were basically playing without a quarterback. Of course, you could argue the Giants were doing the same with Daniel Jones, but play, basically playing two teams that were either didn't have a quarterback or... A, an incredibly limited quarterback. And so there were questions coming to this game like, dang, I mean, he, he, this is going to be a shootout because as good as Philadelphia's defense is, they Kansas City's offense with Reed, Mahomes, Kelsey, obviously Kadarius Tony became a big factor in that game. It's a whole different level. Sky Moore caught a touchdown. Pacheco had a big uh, game rushing the football against Philadelphia's questionable run defense. And so with all that, all that said and done, you look at the fact that Jalen Hurts threw for over 300 yards. I think he had four total touchdowns, had some through the ground, some through the air, that beautiful uh, deep ball to, to uh, A.J. Brown, which, again, I'm still not sure what the safety, I think it was McDuffie, took a weird angle on that play. Whatever. Went toe-to-toe with Mahomes. To me, that got him this contract. If Jalen Hurts has a mediocre Super Bowl, which many tend to do in their first you know appearance, and for some, their only appearance in the big game, I mean, Joe Burrow. I get it, he had a bad offensive line, and I'll, I will absolutely give him that pass. But Joe Burrow had kind of an underwhelming Super Bowl against the Rams. And oftentimes, you get to the Super Bowl, you lose, you're not coming back. Like over the last 25 years or so, I forgot what the record is, if you if you lose your first appearance of the Super Bowl, you almost never get back. So that is a concern. Philadelphia is kind of fighting history in that regard. But if there's any guy that can defy it, I think it's Jalen Hurts. Again, I did my top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL a couple, a few, a few weeks back. Um, and I had Jalen Hurts as a top five guy. 
I think you would consider his ability to push the ball down the field. Obviously, I think you have to factor in uh, his ability to, to scramble to run the football and what Philadelphia likes to do offensively. Again, only guys who put above him were Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence, and Allen. He's been to the Super Bowl. Lamar has it. He's been way better in the postseason than Aaron Rodgers has recently. While Dak Prescott is undefeated against Jalen Hurts, again, and I think Dak's supporting cast is questionable at best, Jalen is, again, with a coach that I'm still not quite sure about and Nick Sirianni was able to advance further to the playoffs. Justin Herbert, please call me when you win a playoff game. And Derek Carr, you guys know I got a soft spot in my heart for Derek Carr, but he's he's no Jalen Hurts. Uh, he himself has never won a playoff game. So I just think with Philadelphia's organizational structure, which is as good as it gets in the NFL, Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, Howie Roseman, the general manager, and the, the, the scouting departments, the guys that they've been able to bring in, I mean, when's the outside of Jalen Rager in 2020? Who they totally botched that draft pick. They had, had a chance to get Justin Jefferson, and they took Jalen Rager, who turned out to be a bust. Name the last guy that just bombed with Philadelphia in terms of guys that they drafted. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's been a while. And, and again, they hit on their free agents. They tend to make good deals uh, in, at, the, at the trade deadline and free agency. Philadelphia is in a good spot moving forward, not to mention in an NFC that, folks, has it ever been weaker? Like San Francisco has, to me, far and away the best team. Who's their quarterback? I mean, Brock Purdy's not going to be available for the season opener. If he does come back, I saw some report recently talking about maybe week four is, is, is a possibility for him. What are you going to get? Is the arm strength going to be compromised? I mean, I, I saw Mike Silver, who's been a longtime 49ers reporter, talk about Joe, uh, not Joe Namath, Joe Montana had a similar surgery, albeit long time ago, albeit late in his career. Wasn't quite the same. And Purdy is not a big athlete, does have a huge arm. And I love Purdy. I, I deemed him sturdy Brock Purdy. And I love the kid. But I have concerns about him. Trey Lance, the guy they took third overall, has a, I mean, he's completing 55% of his passes. That's not going to work in the NFL. So the Niners are the best team, but what are you going to get the quarterback position? Philadelphia has also lost some pieces. They lost Miles Sanders, which I think was a big loss, but they're going to be fine. They've got the quarterback locked up. Again, Dallas has numerous organizational concerns, starting at the top with, with the owner slash general manager. Uh, who else? Obviously, the Packers lost Aaron Rodgers, and while I'm not terribly high on Aaron at this stage of his career, I still think he's a better bet than Jordan Love. I like Detroit. I don't think I love them enough to call them contenders quite yet, although they had a great offseason following a, a surprisingly good regular season. Uh, Seattle, like them, don't like them as a title contender. Giants think they're going to take a step back now that they've given Daniel Jones 40 mil a year. I mean, the NFC kind of feels like it's it's the, the Eagles for the taking because while their roster isn't as good as San Francisco's, and I like Purdy, nobody's taking Brock Purdy over Jalen Hurts. I mean, I still think Philadelphia wins that game, maybe not as comfortably as they did, but I think they still win that NFC title game over San Francisco uh, in the long run, uh, you know, in, in terms of their ability to run the football against the San Francisco rush defense that wasn't great. 
The secondary for San Francisco, while it was better, wasn't as good uh, in the playoffs. It's going to be a matter about whether the other teams that are on the precipice of contention in the NFC can get the quarterback play necessary to get to that next level. Philadelphia has. So we shall see. Uh, again, like I said, we uh, I don't know if we're having any technical difficulties with uh, with uh, with Jill uh, McBride-Baxter. Again, hoping to have her on the show as soon as we can. Uh, I reached out to her, seeing if, I don't know, maybe the link I sent was was having an issue. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But I, I can move to another NFL topic I had on tap, and that's Tua. Tua did a press conference yesterday, and he was talking about how he considered retirement. He considered retirement. We obviously we know about the concussion problem that he had last year. The, to me, he had three. He officially was listed with two concussions. We all know in that week three game against the Buffalo Bills, I said the next day. He absolutely was concussed in that game. I, I mean, I remember when that play happened and they brought Teddy Bridgewater in the game after that. I remember, you know, going to watch another game. I tuned back into the Dolphins game. I'm like, what's Tua doing in there? Head slam back on the turf, gets up, he's woozy, and then he stumbles. To me, they I, I don't know if the NFL did put this rule in place. To me, if you stumble after a hit to the head, you're not allowed to come back in. Concussion or not, it, we cannot put you back in the game. They're, they're, the, the Dolphins medical staff basically committed malpractice as far as I'm concerned. And they did the same, certainly, by putting him out there in week four against the Cincinnati Bengals four days later on Thursday Night Football. And we all saw what happened and what was probably the second scariest injury of the season. Certainly what happened with DeMar Hamlin was, was just terrifying. And by the way, congrats to DeMar. He also has been cleared to play football. So certainly we're rooting for him. And then two on Christmas Day against the Packers in a game he also finished. Again, Dolphins medical staff, what are you doing? Did not play the rest of the season. Here's what I'm concerned about with Tua. And it's what I always say, especially about NFL players. Once you use the R word, retirement, once that word slips out of your mouth, to me, you're already halfway out. You've got one foot in, one foot out. And the fact that Tua, again, three years into his NFL career, and he's forget the concussions. He's had a plethora of injuries dating back to college. He had an ankle problem. He had the very scary hip injury against Mississippi State his junior year at Alabama. You have all of the above coupling into the fact that, man, you worry about his long-term health in terms of whether or not he can even develop into the guy that Miami thinks he can be. Obviously, we understand they made the move to go get Tyree Kill, which was probably the biggest trade of the season last year, either that or Russell Wilson. Obviously, Russell was, has not panned out in Denver. Tyreek panned out, I think, given the quarterback play, I think Tyreek panned out pretty darn well for the Dolphins. They drafted Jalen Waddell. Now, they lost a tight end that I really like, Mike Gusecki, in the offseason to the Patriots. But I don't think it's going to be so bad of a loss that it's going to just hinder Miami's uh, offense into something that we don't see, that we didn't recognize from, say, a year ago. But Tua is a guy, and this, folks, this is why I'm worried about Bryce Young. I, there's nothing in terms of talent that I don't like about Bryce Young. There's nothing in terms of leadership intangibles that I don't like about Bryce Young. He's remarkable. It's the size. It's the stature. It's his weight. And smaller quarterbacks tend to deal with injuries at the next level. Whether it be Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, even Drew Brees at the end of his career. Tua, what's, what are we going to get to? A six-foot tall? Maybe. 
I mean, Tua was talking about how he learned to fall, which you you, you hear guys talk about. You know, I, I know a lot of NBA players. I've heard talk about this with John Morant and with Derrick Rose back in the day, like learning how to fall the floor on certain plays. I'm just worried about certainly wishing to all the very best, especially as it pertains to the concussion problem that he's had, but also his other injuries. Like we can't just discount the fact that he's he's had surgery on his ankle. He has he's had surgery on his hip, which that's a big one. Uh, he finished the 2020 season injured. 2021, he dealt with injuries. So I don't know th- this. Rooting for Tua, again, I, I was high on him out of the 2020 draft. I think I've been proven wrong on that one. Uh, he, he's not what I thought that he would be, but, man, th- this has got to be. And Miami opted in his fifth-year option, which I think is a smart move. It's, it's one extra uh, one extra year on his rookie contract, pays him a little bit more money. Uh, it's not going to be something that just, you know, hank, handcuffs the franchise if they give him the fifth-year option. It's if they give him a long-term deal that I worry about. It's, listen, if I were Miami, I would at least consider consider taking a quarterback third, fourth round of the draft. You're obviously not going to get a guy like a Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or a Will Levis or a Anthony Richardson or a guy who I love, maybe because I'm biased, probably so, Hendon Hooker. There's a kid out of Stanford that's that's a highly touted prospect. But could you take one in the third, fourth round? Maybe one that's sort of the anti-Tua where maybe he's not quite as accurate as two is, but he's a bigger athlete. He can take hits. He's got a bigger arm. I mean, ultimately, when you look at the best quarterbacks in the league, and I talked about this with Anthony Richardson about you know his accuracy being a concern, and of the, the guys that I put in my top 10 quarterbacks, only two of them had sub-60% completion percentages in college, and they were Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. And they were kind of outliers. Like, if you have a bad completion percentage in college by today's standards, you usually don't pan out in the NFL. Uh, I also would say the same about quarterbacks with with, with lack of size. Again, let, let me pull up the, the list of, of my top 10 quarterbacks of the league. Let's pull it up. Okay, so Patrick Mahomes, he's a baseball player. What is he, 6'2", 6'3"? Uh, is bigger than people give him credit for. Joe Burrow, 6'4". Trevor Lawrence is 6'6", maybe 6'7". You know, when you consider certain players I've seen him stand next to, Josh Allen is, is a probably the biggest quarterback in this list. We're going to give him 6'5", 6'6", probably 250 maybe. Uh, Jalen Hurts is a big, strong athlete. Lamar Jackson, not quite as much. He's dealt with injuries, um, but he's bigger than people give him credit for. Aaron Rodgers is 6'2". Dak Prescott's 6'2". Herbert's about 6'4", 6'5". Carr's about 6'2". I mean, it's a fair concern. Again, it's why I worry about Bryce Young. I, I want him. Uh, Jamel's in the comments. Maybe Max Duggan. Maybe. I like him. I don't love him as like a franchise quarterback right off the bat, but could you develop him? Maybe. He can run the football. He's a fairly accurate thrower. He had a great uh, connection with that kid. Johnston is his name, the wide receiver at TCU. Had a great connection with him. So if you pair him in in an offense in Miami that has just got weapons everywhere, I mean, not just Tyreek and Waddle, but you've got Cedric Wilson. You've got uh, that – I think they still got that Sherfield kid who was really good for them. Um, It's – I think it would be a solid fit. Because Bridgewater's been his backup the last year, and then who was uh, Brissett was his backup in 2021, and Fitzpatrick was his backup in 2020. Now Fitzpatrick hasn't had a ton of trouble staying healthy, but Brissett has, and Bridgewater certainly has. So you get a guy who in, who, who who can come in there, take the hits, um, 
and we'll we'll see again. Let, let me let me see one more time if I can reach out because if if she's not able to come on today, then uh, we we may have to scrap this interview and do it for for another day. But let me see here. Hold on, just a second. Uh, hold on. Let me see if I can get like a a nice little like soundtrack or or something. Uh, you know, while while I see if I can send this text real quick and get get some very intense music on it right now. Let's see. Okay, so just sent one more text. If not able to get a response, we'll probably have to scrap the interview to, for today. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Hopefully we can get her on the show because like I said, there's a wide wide variety of issues that involve the business of being a sports agent, whether it be in the NFL, whether it be in college football, NIL deals come come to the forefront. That That's something I've been talking about for the longest time. I remember back in November of 2019, I remember there was an incident with... Uh, with with James Wiseman, with uh, at Memphis, who ended up getting drafted by my Warriors second overall, currently plays for the Pistons. Chase Young, uh, at Ohio State, who ended up getting drafted by uh, Washington in the twenty twenty draft. Funny enough, both guys went second overall. But what I thought was outrageous is the fact that both guys got suspended with uh, NCAA violations, whether it be that they used. Uh, Booster's money, in the case of Wiseman, to, God forbid, move his family to Memphis to be closer to their son. Oh, how could you do such a thing? And James Wiseman got suspended. He's like, man, screw this. I'm just going to go prepare for the NBA. If y'all just going to screw me and my family over, like, I'm just going to go get ready for the NBA. Like, like I'm not going to mess be messing with the college basketball business. Chase Young, similarly, at Ohio State, he got punished because he paid to have his girlfriend come to Southern California to Pasadena to play in the Rose Bowl. Guess it's been like two games for that. I think either he was going to break the single season sack record at Ohio State or maybe the all-time record sack record at Ohio State, and it cost him that opportunity. This is is crazy. This is one of the best football players in America, and you take him out for something that we would have the right to do in college? Like I thought it was crazy. And I, I've been talking about athletes getting paid for the longest time. I remember when when the Supreme Court in 2021, it was like early that summer, spring, summer, something like that, when they allowed finally allowed college athletes to get paid. And it was like, finally. Like, and it, listen, I do think there does need to be regulations to a certain degree for how much a university can pay an athlete. Um Again, I think just just with anything, there needs to be guardrails, there needs to be rules and regulations. So it's a little bit of a free-for-all right now. Um, I think the NCAA, hopefully, maybe I'm putting too much faith in them as as an organization, but I hope that they'll put rules in place in order to to combat some of these issues, to put a system in place where college athletes can get paid whatever they want, but also it's not like a crazy free-for-all where it's you know just all over the place. So... We'll see, but I, I've been talking about college. It, the outrage that came from from the ruling almost two years ago now to me was crazy. Uh, was was completely out of bounds. But uh, yeah, we'll 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 see. But it's it, listen, it's a fascinating topic. It, it's one I've gotten into over the last three and a half years. Uh, again, we do have plenty of NBA playoff action tonight. Uh, obviously, Warriors Kings is probably. It's a shame that that game dips off at ten Eastern. 
it, it, it really is because, you know, you got the Draymond story. You've got the fact that this young upstart Kings team leads the defending champs to nothing. It's like some people say it's the end of the dynasty. Folks, if Golden State goes on to lose a series, which I don't think they will, but if they do, folks, the dynasty is not over. Now, maybe some of the faces involved with the dynasty, such as Draymond Green, Andre Guadalupe is going to retire regardless at the end of the season. Yeah, it'll look a little different. But ladies and gentlemen, if you've got 30, if you've got the greatest shooter in the history of the game, if you got, to me, the seventh greatest player in the history of the game, build around him and you've got a title contender. It's kind of like what, uh, what Joe, I remember what Joe Burrow said when the Bengals won the division title last year. And he said, our title window is open as long as I'm here. And it's like, so some people call it arrogant. I'm like, well, it's, it, is it arrogant if it's true? The Bengals have a sniff title contention since the freaking 80s. And then Joe Burrow comes in, they make a Super Bowl, and then they make an AFC championship game. Yeah, I think they're, they're, their window's pretty wide open. Same thing could be said about Steph Curry. You could say he's 35 years old. Uh, I couldn't tell. 29, 6, and 6 on nearly 50, 40, 90 shooting. Uh, call me crazy, but I think I think Steph is uh, I think Steph's aging pretty well. You got Steve Kerr. But tonight you've got Sixers Nets game three in Brooklyn. Again, I said Sixers in five in a gentleman's sweep. I think Brooklyn, I think Sixers will win tonight. They're a four and a half point favorite. I think just for pride purposes, Jock Vaughn, well coached team, Cam Johnson, who played great in game two, by the way, Mikel Bridges, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. I think the Nets will step up and win game four, avoid elimination, and then Philadelphia will close them out in the city of brotherly love. And then you've got the two games, which unfortunately not only are super late on the East Coast, because some people can't just stay up and watch. Uh, you know, people got work, people got school. Uh, you know, I, I, I watch these games because A, I'm willing to sacrifice my sleep to watch my favorite team. And B, I want to be able to have, to have games to talk about on my show, games that I watch. But you've got the two games late, which come around on around the same time. You got the 10 p.m. Eastern tip-off between the Kings and the Warriors. The Warriors, even without Draymond Green, are six and a half point favorites. I do believe they will cover that. I know I saw a comment from John John saying that he thinks they'll win by 10. I think that's absolutely a fair assessment. And then Suns Clippers, again, no Kawhi Leonard. I don't know if I'd take that. Okay, that game tips off 10:30 Eastern on uh on NBA TV. They've got Phoenix on the road minus eight. And we again, the home team automatically gets three points. So they are basically saying, if this were in Phoenix, if you do the math, the Suns will be around a 14-point favorite. I don't know about that. With the Clippers' depth, Ty Lue, with a Russell Westbrook who, while his play drives me absolutely nuts, maybe you know his his uh, you know his history of putting up these crazy stat lines. I think he had like a freaking 55-point triple double in 2017 against the Rockets. I don't think that's going to happen, but remember that game about a month ago against the Grizzlies? I talked about it on my show. I said that game was actually an indictment of Westbrook because when he's going solo, he's hard to stop when he's not shooting threes at least, but if he's driving the basket, getting others involved, he's still really good, but when he's playing with star players, when he's forced to play in a team, uh, team-oriented team offense, it's not quite as he's not quite as effective, and certainly he's not the, the shooter that the Clippers will want him to be or what any team he's played for would want him to be, although he shot the ball well, I'll give him credit, in game two. But, yeah, I, I take, I'm i not taking the Clippers to win. I'll take the Suns to win, but I, I'm taking the Clippers the points in this one. I'm taking Clippers plus eight, because, again, currently it's Phoenix minus eight. I'm, I'm taking Clippers plus eight. I don't know if Phoenix, from what I've seen in the first two games, where 
the one thing Phoenix is struggling with that I did not think they would, especially with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and even Chris Paul to a certain degree, is creating open looks. And some of that you can put on Monty Williams, and some of that you can put on the fact that the that the 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 Suns outside of Katie and Booker don't have a ton of guys that can create their own shots. Whereas the Clippers kind of do. Westbrook, if it's not a three or a mid-ranger jump shot of any of any, of any kind, can create his own shot. Norman Powell can. Terrence Mann can. Um, Nick Batum still can. Like even even with no Kawhi and Paul George, that's still a very very dangerous Clippers team. Uh, I would not be shocked if they win this game tonight. I'm not going to plunge and say they do. I still have this as a six game series going in Phoenix's direction, but I, I said that the I did not think Phoenix's lack of depth would cost them in the long run, but this was a team that could expose it with the Clippers coaching and in, probably the Clippers are probably the deepest team in the West if you think about it. Denver has depth. Uh, Golden State has depth. Who's the two seed? Memphis has depth. Uh, three. Sacramento, not as deep as those teams, but certainly has guys who can come off the bench. Davion Mitchell can, can come in and get buckets for them. Um, I felt like the Clippers were the deepest team, and I think the deepest team in basketball is the Bucs. Uh, I, listen, I, I thought the Bucs would win game two without Giannis. I did not see 25 threes. <laughs> Tying a playoff record set by the Cavs in 2016. Did not see that coming. So hats off to the to the Bucks. They won 138-122. Folks, I promise you, if you watch that game, the score was not as that score is not indicative of how much of a domination it was. You say they won by 16, they scored 138. Trust me. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as as uh or it, it was worse than the score would, would would lead you to believe. But again, I said Bucks and five. I still think Miami could maybe steal a game at home if there's no Giannis. But if this back problem continues to plague him, to continues to play the, the Bucks in the long run. Ooh, this this could be again that, to get hurt immediately is to start the playoffs. You know what do they say about football players? I know it's a different sport, but if you enter the play or if you enter the season injured, you're going to leave it injured. I worry about that a little bit with Giannis. But look, if there's a guy who can play through injury, I mean, we saw 2021 when the Bucks won the title. What happened? Giannis got hurt. It was Game Four, if I'm not mistaken. Suffered a really serious looking. Knee injury, didn't play the rest of the series. His teammates stepped up. They beat Atlanta. Comes back in game one against the Suns. Okay in game one. He's on a minutes restriction. And then games two through six, he's by far, far and away the best player in the series, including a 50-point, a 50-piece to, to close out game six and to win the championship. So if there's ever a guy who can play through it, but we know back injuries. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Backs are almost second to hamstrings. Hamstrings are the most annoying injury that an athlete can can suffer. And you could argue the same for back injuries. It, it limits your range of mobility, limits your explosiveness. I, I I know that's I worry a little bit. Now Giannis is still in his prime. If he's 30, he just now turned 30. And I'm still going to stick to my pick. Bucks coming out of the East, but could Boston take advantage? Could Philly, if Philly beats Boston, take advantage? Sure they could. They're absolutely good enough to. 
uh, I don't know. Listen, the, the, these first round series out east, outside of Cleveland and the Knicks, are duds. <laughs> I mean, Milwaukee, Miami could get interesting, but I don't anticipate it. Uh, Boston's mowing Atlanta, which I anticipated they would. They're 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 going to sweep the Hawks. Atlanta may play them a little bit closer in games three, game four. If they lose game three, I think Atlanta's just going to mail it in in game four, and, and the Celtics will will take care of business and, and get a lot of extra rest going into the second round. Philadelphia, very similar situation. They're just better than Brooklyn. Like There's there's no other way around it. Brooklyn doesn't have a near as many shot creators as the Sixers do. Although, listen, it'd be dishonest to say <sighs> playoff hardens becoming a factor again. <laughs> And I, I mean, I feel I feel mean laughing, but it's 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 every year. I mean, and not just in the playoffs, but since the start of March. If you look at the stats since March first, let me make sure. We, okay, since March first, James Harden has the second lowest field goal percentage in the NBA. Only one lower is Lou Dort, but at least Lou Dort, who whose season is now over with the Thunder, Lou Dort gives you incredible defense. He's one of the better perimeter defenders, certainly among guards in the NBA. Thunder are very lucky, lucky to have that guy. But James Harden shooting under 40% from the field since March 1st. And he scored like eight points, I think it was, in game two. Now, thankfully, it didn't cost the Sixers because Embiid was able to get others involved on the double teams at the top of the key. But, I mean, Tyrese Maxey, I think, had uh, over 30 points. Uh, so it, it, it's going to be... It, it's it's the one concern I had, or I really had three concerns. I did my playoff weaknesses last week. I had really three for Philly. Doc Rivers' history in the playoffs, we all know he's blown three, three-one leads as a coach. No coach in history has ever even blown two. He's blown three. Joel Embiid's history in the playoffs in terms of his health. I'm knock on wood, crossing my fingers, all of the above, that Embiid stays healthy the whole playoffs because I want to see how far he can take this Philly team fully healthy. But health has been a concern. If you look at 2021, if you look at last year, look at 2019, it's been a factor. And then finally, the biggest concern for me was that the Sixers' second-best player has made a career. Has made a career of, I mean, unspeakably bad playoff games. Game six against the Spurs in 2017 probably tops the list. What was he, like two for 14, just kind of quit in that game? The Spurs didn't have Kawhi, didn't have Tony Parker, and they won by like 40. And, the, and the, the, the the Rockets just totally fell apart in that game. You have, uh, gosh, who was, uh, yeah, last year, game six against Miami, he had a similar stat line. And again, I said on my show the next day, I felt like Harden kind of quit in that game. Just lost all heart, all, all energy. Was making very half-hearted passes. Again, that that is, there's two words I, I'm very, very hesitant to use in sports. The Q word, quit and the CH word, choke. Because to me, both of those words speak to something inherently inside of you that it's like your makeup as an athlete. Like the ability to step up when your team absolutely needs you the most is part of your athletic makeup. It's part of, in some ways, your personal uh, makeup. That's why I'm very hesitant to criticize guys Individually, and you know, in their personal lives, unless they do something just totally egregious. But that's that's Harden's history. Not just has he choked in the playoffs, because to me, the definition of choke, I think it gets overused sometimes in sports media. To me, the definition of choke is the moment is not only you. Okay, my definition of choke is you're expected to win, and not only do you not win or play well, whatever the case may be. 
but the moment looked too big for you. Seen that numerous times from James Harden. Where stat lines have been fine. I remember a game six he played against Golden State in 2019. Stat line was great. He had over 30. He made, I don't think his shooting percentage was all that great, but he played pretty well. But in the last two, three minutes of that game, it was some bad turnovers, missing open open shots. Uh, that was that was always a concern for for James Harden. Has been ever since you know he arrived in the NBA. I mean, we we has we hesitated to criticize him early on in OKC and then in his first few years in Houston, but then it kind of became who he was, who he is. So that that that's always been the question for him. Um, I don't I don't think we're going to be able to to get uh, to get Jill Baxter on the show. Uh, it, it, it's not, it's not looking great. Apologize to, to you, the audience, uh, for that. Um, I don't know. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't look terribly promising. Although we do have some, oh, wow. We have two kind of major breaking news stories. Not one as, as big as the other. This one just came in from Shams. He says, Boston Celtics guard Malcolm Brogdon has won the 2022-23 NBA Sixth Man of the Year Award. So I predicted Brogdon to win that award this year. I know people talk about Emmanuel quickly. I thought Brogdon was more impactful. Brogdon was what the Celtics needed. Remember last year, we all talked about, man, the Celtics just turned the ball over too much. I said, well, that's in part because they don't have a pure point guard to get them in and out of sets. I love Marcus Smart on the defensive end, and certainly he can make open shots any given night, but he's not a pure point guard. I mean, that's not that's not his game. Malcolm Brogdon, different story. Very efficient, excellent passer. Uh, can get the Celtics in and out of sets. So I thought that was that was a a great pickup by Boston at uh, or during the off season uh, from the Indiana Pacers. And to his credit, six man of the year. I, I think I predicted he would be before the season. No, no, no. I, I said Jordan Poole. That is that is definitely not been the case. Holy cow. Uh, listen, when Jordan Poole gets in the open court and goes full speed, I just like wince. It's just like close my eyes, hold my breath, all of the above. Because man, that dude scares the you know what out of me when he's when he's gets gets into one of his gets into one of his zones where he's just out out of body experience. It feels like for him, and it's just not not playing with him what the Warriors want to do whatsoever. And the second one, this this involves baseball. I know my guys Barry and Alfred are gonna be happy. New York Mets starter Max Scherzer has been suspended 10 games for allegedly using a foreign substance Wednesday against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Wow. That is a questionable one for me. Because I don't, from what I've been reading about that situation, from what the video showed, I don't think he was using a foreign substance. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, it looked like sweat to me. Like You can tell the difference between the two. But... I mean, Scherzer even went so, which I, listen, I, I don't love him going this far, but Scherzer even said after the game, I swear on my kids, I didn't uh, use this foreign substance, which again, I, I I don't think you would bring your kids in that situation. I think it's going too far, but it, it does go to show you how far Scherzer was willing to go. It was crazy. Uh, let's see. John Rivera asked, Trey Young is, well, actually, I'll answer that question, John, John, because, uh, yeah, Barry says Brogdon won six man, and then talking about, uh, Talked about uh, Max Scherzer. He says, very pissed off about that, Bryson. Uh, uh, Rosen? 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 I don't know. One of the two. Foreign substance. Uh, yeah, that is that. That is questionable at best by uh, by Major League Baseball. But <laughs> then again, they, they, they make a lot of decisions that are... That's why I gave Manfred credit last offseason for putting in the, the pitch clock and for mercifully, finally, banning the shift. Okay, both rules 
strongly benefit offense. And but this this is I, I don't I don't like this one at all by uh by the commissioner and by by Major League Baseball. Now to John John's comment, he says Trey Young getting traded this offseason. Which team is the best fit? Before I answer about fit in terms of you know where he would work, here's what I'll say. I don't I'd be very hesitant to move off him if I were Atlanta. Because what's Trey Young's biggest concern? You could say defense. He's never going to be a good defender. Like his side, if Trey Young tries as hard as he can, he's never going to be a good. He can be maybe serviceable on that end, but he's always going to be the liability for the Hawks on that end of the floor. And for the record, they have they have a lot of liabilities defensively. Dejounte Murray's never been uh, what you would hope for him to be on on the defensive end. Trey Young's issue is maturity. Again, I, I don't like to put a coach getting fired on one guy, but. Uh, Nate McMillan losing his job falls on Trey Young. It's as simple as that. It does, and so that that is that is a real. I, I hate to see him losing his job. The, the job that he did in 2021, helping them get to the conference finals after I'm forgetting the guy's name before him that got fired. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Lloyd was was that his name? Lloyd. I can't remember what his name was. They got fired. Nate McMillan came in, got the Hawks playing real defense. And they made it as far as the conference finals. Actually took two games off of the eventual champion Milwaukee Bucks, but just didn't have enough in the long run, especially we compare their depth to the Milwaukee's. But now they got Quinn Snyder in, who I, I have all the respect in the world for. I think he's a tremendous coach. I was actually kind of surprised that the Spurs weren't able to to sort of tab him as the the uh I wouldn't say understudy, but the successor. For Greg Popovich, who I think we all anticipate, nothing's been made official yet. There hasn't been, to my knowledge, any rumblings out of San Antonio saying that Popovich is absolutely 100% going to retire. But the writing does seem to kind of be on the wall for that. Right? He's broken Red Arbach's uh, all-time, or not Red, uh, Don Nelson, I'm sorry, Don Nelson, former Warriors coach, by the way. Don Nelson's all-time uh, wins record for a head coach. But in theory, let's just say trade did get traded. Um at the deadline. You know where I think might actually work? Is a team the team that eliminated the Hawks last year and who they beat this year in the playing game. I think Miami would actually be a good fit. It's the same reason I think Dame would be a good fit in Memphis. Because neither Dame nor Trey, both excellent deep shooters. Dame better than Trey, but Trey can certainly is, is one of the one of the better shooters from uh, from downtown, uh, or way downtown, like a logo shooter in the NBA. I think in terms of culture, we know we talk about heat culture. Heat culture is a real thing. If you plug Trey Young into heat culture with Jimmy, now you'll probably have to give up Bam, which would suck for Miami defensively, but you would almost certainly have to give up Bam out of bio. If not, you have to be in some sort of three-team trade. You might have to give up Tyler Hero, but I, I'm willing to give up Tyler Hero for Trey. Hero struggled with injuries over the last couple of postseasons. Uh, this year was just an unfortunate play. He's diving for the floor and breaks his hand. It just sucks for him. But he's not as good defensively, and he's certainly not the playmaker that Trey is. I mean, Trey led the league in assists this year. Like We can say what we want about Trey Young, but he he did lead the league in, in assists this season. But you bring him to Miami, team up with Jimmy Butler. Everybody knows Jimmy's the guy. It, even Trey will have to submit that Jimmy Trey is is a better offensive player overall, but Jimmy's the guy. He he's the dude who sets sets the 
uh, standard, sets the culture, pushes guys in practice. And listen, that rubbed Chicago the wrong way. It rubbed Minnesota the wrong way. And it rubbed Philly the wrong way. But in Miami, it's a different story. Whole, especially with Pat Riley with Eric Spolstra. Um, that actually might act that 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 might work. I, I suggested Bradley Beal to Miami last year, but then he signed his extension to Washington, so that seems unlikely. Plus, you'd have essentially two shooting guards, which I don't think would make all that much sense. Trade trade in Miami actually, I think works. Uh, it, J- Jamel Lloyd Pierce, thank you. Yeah, I, I was thinking I, th- I knew Lloyd was in his name, but Lloyd Pierce was the guy that they that they uh, fired in 2021. John John says also I think New Orleans should trade Zion while the value is still high. They can get a haul and add to their playoff team. I've I completely agree with you, John John. I said last, I think it was a week ago, so last Thursday, about that. That man, man Zion's he's so great, he's so talented, but he's never available. He's never available, and so trade him now while the stock is still. I wouldn't even say high. Well, his stock is still decent. Somebody, because of his pure, raw, incredible talent, somebody's going to take a, a, a chance on him. Somebody will. And so, listen, props to uh, props to the Pelicans for trying to make it work. I don't think his style of play works with Brandon Ingram, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Brown, what's up, Patrick? He says, I wasn't able to record my AD rant this morning. Trust me, my newest installment of The Forum, which is his Lakers podcast, by the way, so please go check it out on the grid, will be epic. I, I, I'm sure it will, Patrick, because, listen, it's it's why I it's why I gave AD the new nickname. That's what we're going to call him from here on out in Carving Up Live. We're going to call him Coin Flip Davis because he's he's not – you have no idea what you're getting from, uh, from him on a night-to-night basis. So Coin Flip Davis is what he will be known as from here on out. Uh on, on this show. If you want to call him street clothes like Charles Barkley called him, then call him street clothes. Because uh, that that's not as much this year as, as the years past, but that has been an appropriate nickname. Jamel says, Trey is a Robin, not a Batman. I'm with you. I think your Batman has to be, um, like, for example, in Golden State. Kevin Durant is unquestionably a more talented player than Steph Curry. That's not arguable. I've always said, KD is the most talented offensive player the game of basketball has ever seen. If you created an offensive force in NBA 2K minus incredible God-given strength, you would get Kevin Durant. Because he can get any shot he wants whenever he wants, not to mention KD is still tremendous on the defensive end of the floor. He doesn't get as much credit for that as he should because he's so great in the offensive end. I mean, again, this year, we talk about 50-40-90. KD said, I'll do you one better. I'll shoot 55 40, 90. So he's, he's incredible. But Steph is the culture setter in Golden State. Steph is, again, even in, in, in Miami, when LeBron went, there's no question that more than Golden State because Steph's a two-time MVP. Like Steph has more MVPs than KD, more championships than KD. But Dwayne, like in Miami, different story. Dwayne Wade was the guy in, in Miami. LeBron was far and away the best player for obvious reasons. Dwayne Wade's a Hall of Famer. Those are we don't put Dwayne Wade. We don't talk about who's better, Dwayne Wade or Michael Jordan. We do that with LeBron James. There, there's a reason for that. But the culture setter, that's not Trey. He's incredibly fun to watch. I mean, I, I saw him play a game uh, last year in Atlanta. They were playing my Warriors. Trey had a, a big game that night. I think he had a double-double uh, with like 20-something, 30-something points, double-digit assists. He was great in that game. He's incredibly fun to watch. Um, I think the city of Atlanta loves him. But... 
the Hawks have to ask the question. And and to me, I would not trade him this offseason. I would I would give him a full season with Quinn Snyder, see if they can turn this around, see if they can you know make some additions in the offseason in terms of free agency, and maybe next year during the trade deadline. So I'd give it a full go with Quinn Snyder before I think about moving him. But you have to ask yourself the question if you're the Hawks, is he the guy long-term? Is he the guy that can lead us to a championship? Now, he's in his fifth year in the NBA. So it's hard to really answer that question. Now, the list of guys who we know by year five can lead you to a championship, it's short. Like, we knew LeBron almost immediately. Okay, he can be the best player. We uh, Jordan, okay, he can lead a team to a championship. Kareem, immediately, the second he stepped in the NBA, Magic, Bird. Uh, I don't know if we necessarily knew that immediately. Maybe in the first five years we knew that with Kobe uh, because he was 1A to Sha- uh, or 1B to Shaq's 1A. But... Uh, I mean, even even Steph, and I love Steph. I think Steph's the best player in basketball. I think he's the seventh greatest player ever. But year five for Steph would have been 2014. And that was that was actually my first season to be a Warriors fan, 2013-14. He had, he had never advanced past the second round of his career. Now, he had been an All-Star. That was his first All-Star game, 2014, in New Orleans. They had horrible hor- players with horrible jerseys. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. But there were some... The question, hey, can Steph lead the Warriors to a championship? Can he be the best player on a title-winning team? Now, obviously, that question has been answered emphatically, yes, because I think three of Steph's four championships, he's been the best player. 2018, he was better than KD. I don't care. Anybody says, again, I've got the the graphic here for for such a time as this, uh, or maybe I delete. No, no, I've still got it. Uh, No, actually, I do not. Nope, she's gone. Okay, but I had a graphic, and I did a segment on it during the finals last year that... Steph outscored KD in three of the four finals games, yet KD won MVP. Like, that was very, very confusing to me. Very confusing. Um, It looks like we may get Jill on the show. It looks like we may get her on. Um, Okay, so I just got a text back from her. Uh, We will see. So we'll wait. I'll give it another three, two, two, three minutes or so. Uh, see if she can get on here. We can we can do this interview, but it it, it looks like she might be able to come on. I'm not gonna not gonna guarantee anything, but uh, okay. So, but by the way, Philly and in in Brooklyn tips off in 15 minutes on TNT. Who, by the way, as we all know, has the great. <laughs> there was a. <laughs> I'm not even gonna repeat what was said. <laughs> you can look it up on the internet yourself. But there was a there was a moment be, between Chuck and and. Uh, it wasn't between Chuck and Shaq. It was something that Chuck said. <laughs> All I'll say is just please Google it. It should be on YouTube or on social media. Just Google what, like, or not, like, search on Twitter, which, which by the way, apparently uh, Beyonce doesn't get a blue check anymore. That really angers me. But, or really nobody gets a blue check unless you, you, you pay for it, which is crazy. But check on Twitter, check on YouTube, wherever, what Chuck said last night. It had, uh, it had Kenny and Shaq rolled. That, that, I, I love those guys. I don't know who doesn't love those guys. The best, the best, uh, uh, oh, they're not trio because because Ernie's obviously the the OG there, but the best pre post, pre half and post game show uh, on sports television. Heck, the best show inside the NBA is far and away the best show on sports television. It's not even close. Uh, so, yeah, we will uh, we will see. Hold on, let me send one more text to to Jill see if she's able to come on. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's see. Oh, okay. It looks like, okay, hold on. It looks like we may have her on here. So, uh, okay. So joining the show now is an NFL agent for over three decades. She is the author of a book titled Born to be a Sports Agent. Here is the book right here. There it is, Born to be a Sports Agent. And she is also the host of the Representation Without Taxation podcast. Would you please welcome to Carving It Up Live. Jill Baxter is on oh, Carving I am, Up Live. I am right so now. sorry. So sorry because I thought it was Pacific time and I was at, I was at the gym. I was like, okay. oh my gosh. Don't 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 worry about it. listen. Miscommunication happens all the time uh, in this business, but it's great to have you on. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Well, it's a, a pleasure to have you on the show today. Uh, obviously, big shout out to my guy Barry uh, for being able to get this thing all, all scheduled uh, with you to bring you on the show today. So the first thing I want to ask you is again, you've been, you've been doing this uh, three decades, I believe. Yeah, I started in 1987, so you can count right. the years. Okay, so, <laughs> well, there, there you go. There, so. <laughs> What got you interested in the business? Because you're the you're the daughter of a of a Hall of Fame uh, head coach. You, you are actually, yep. uh, if I'm not mistaken, the wife of a coach uh, as well. So yep. you, sports has really been in your in your blood, in your family for you know a, a long time. What got you specifically into the business aspect of it? Well, to be honest, when I was in my second year of law school, my dad called me and said, "Hey." Um, Gary is getting a contract with the Rams and he needs representation. And I said, I don't do that. And he said, well, find out what you need to do to do it. And at the time I was president of the sports law forum at my law school. And I had just had Lee Steinberg come speak at my law school. And um, I just called his office and I said, Hey, what do you have to do to represent NFL players? And he said, Oh, you just have to get certified with the NFL players union and pay money. And that's how you had to do back then. Now you got to do a test and all this stuff. So I got certified and I started representing Gary. Okay. So you, you, you represented Gary and that, that sort of got you in the business. And- that, that's what happened. Now what's happened fast forward is everybody has representation now. Right. Meaning like I have coaches, I have athletic directors, I have administrators, I have media, I have professional athletes, I have boxers, I have UFC fighters, I have NFL players. <laughs> And, so it, it's, and it's, it's all been the same story. Uh, Jill, can you represent this person? I don't do that. And they said, well, we want you to. And I say, okay, I'll try it. <laughs> and next thing you know, I'm in a whole nother. That's how I ended up with my UFC fighter. That's how I just did with my boxer recently. I'd never represented a boxer, but I do now. I do today. <laughs> there you go. There, so, yeah. If, if they want you, if they're interested, hey, you, you, you might as well. It's, it's hard to pass something down when when, when people are, are yeah. I'm, I'm good at I'm good at hustle. I'm good at hustling jobs for people, deals for people, and negotiating. So that that that's I'm good at that, and I like it. So that helps, and I like sports too. <laughs> oh, I mean, who doesn't? That's that's why that's why I've been doing the show. But uh, yeah. something that I I think is really fascinating. So the draft is next week. Um, so obviously yep. you got the first round and and all throughout Saturday during the weekend. Talk about what it's like, because you've represented uh, numerous NFL players. 
talk about what that process is like leading up to the draft because obviously they've got a lot of their play you, you got yeah it's really it's actually out. a really tricky the nfl teams uh you know they've done the analysis and they've got everybody kind of categorized in a certain way and um they have certain needs and there's a lot of inventory every year and so what you hope is that your player ends up with a team that needs what he is and that he's first on their list because if somebody's first on somebody's list they're more likely number one to get drafted and and basically what what i do about the last week of the draft is i kind of analyze what what happened during free agency for teams who did they get who did they not get maybe make some predictions as to whether or not they need what I have and we'll kind of categorize the teams kind of an ABC I you know what I mean like an A being a team that needs what I have he's contacted this team has contacted my player they like my player he's a good fit for their defense in this case I have a defensive player this year and that's kind of how I analyze it and then as the draft goes you want to see somebody gets picked by a team that maybe I have categorized as an A team um, because if they pick somebody else at the same position at a high spot that's maybe not where I want my player to go okay if he gets drafted you don't have a choice but at the end of the draft there's about in five minutes there's about four deals done in that five minutes and are done the whole year because each team will sign like 20 other guys and as undrafted free agents. And so right. I have to categorize everything to say, if there doesn't get drafted, which would he want to go to first? Like, let's say three teams are calling him after the draft. Um, we categorize them and say, okay, if this team calls, even if the money is better to another team, if I think a kid has a better chance of making it somewhere else, I'll send him there. Because all that matters is if they make the picture three-man roster because in the end they make more money if they make the three-man roster so Absolutely. a small signing bonus isn't going to make a big huge difference if you don't make the 53 and they have to be able to beat out a guy who started last year or was had that spot last year so there, that's that's what i that's how i spend my draft time and it all depends on the positions i have and the kids i choose or who choose me whatever most of the time i mean i probably said no to 20 people this year because We can't, we can't, we can't hear you right now. You're, uh, I think your audio's off. Um, okay. We, we just lost, we just lost Jill. Okay. Hang on. We just lost Jill. I don't know. Okay. Let's, let, let's bring it back on. Let's bring it back on. So, okay. Can you I, hear I me? think we just had a, yeah, we, we got you now. We had a little connection issue there. So yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about, you were talking about, yeah, you, uh, you know, trying to get on the 53 man roster and try and beat out a guy, you know, who, who had that spot a year yeah. ago. Yeah, you're trying to find. I'm uh, sorry. I'm going to get out of my car and go into my office now because sure, that's where sure. I was going to do this. But then <laughs> I had the wrong time. <laughs> now, don't so, don't worry about it. It happens. Yeah. Gosh. So I don't know if it's going to switch onto my other internet, but maybe not. Okay. Keep going. What did you ask me? No, I was I was asking you. You kind of broke off the part you were talking about uh, trying to make the fifty-three man roster and trying to be a guy who who uh, who had that spot last year as like a backup yeah. as reserve. 
So what, what were you saying hard. about that? It's very, very hard to make a team. And it's hard, you know, it's hard to beat a person out that had that spot last year. It's not that simple, right? Sure. Um, even if, whether you get drafted or not, you still have to take another man's job. Yeah. And I think sometimes players don't look at it that way, but that's how I look at it. So I want to see, okay, does that player, maybe there's a player on the team that's, you know, injured, maybe older, maybe making too much money and they don't want to pay them that much money. Uh, maybe they have a whole coaching change and they're going to change everything. You know what I mean? So I just sure. put it all in a, and that's really what I'm going to do all weekend. In fact, I'm going to go up to my cabin in the mountains and I'm just going to do the draft for like four or five days and right. just focus on that. Then talk to my client and say, Hey, you know, here's what I figured out. Um, do you agree with me and be ready? Cause I don't know which team's going to, if you're going to get picked, I always prepare them because every player wants to get picked. Of course. But there's only 240 dudes that get picked. That's not that many. Maybe a little more than that, you know, with the, you know, the compensatory picks, but yeah, it's not that many. Well, you bring up a fascinating point that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always confused by people when they talk about when teams are, especially fourth, fifth round, talking about, you know, taking the best player available. And I'm like, well, that, that makes sense in theory. You want to get the best player available for the team. You, maybe they have a better chance of panning out. But if you're, if you're, you know, say you're weak in the secondary, you, you want to take a couple of corners in round three, round four. Um, that makes a lot more sense what you're saying and what the teams are looking at in terms of who they want to add to the rosters. Um, I, I want to ask you this question because actually, a matter of fact, it was um, it's actually in the comments here from my man uh, Parnell. Um, he says, as an agent, how would you handle the Lamar Jackson situation? I want to sort of take that into – and you don't have to answer that uh, if you don't want to, but – it's it's always you know a lot of people talking about it not having agent playing factor and sort of what I've said is well Laramie Tunsil got paid you got a DeAndre Hopkins got paid what's take me into the negotiation room what what factor does the agent play in negotiations with uh, with teams that can be really tricky because to be honest with you a team might say something to me that they're not going to say to the player right I can kind of filter it back but also I can I would. If I was representing him, I would be doing a ton of research on where the market is, okay? And in Lamar's situation, I'm obviously looking at his position, seeing who who got what. And to be honest with you, he might be better waiting till after the draft to see who doesn't get a quarterback. Mm, okay. He, he might have more value after the draft. Because there'll be, a team won't get what they want, but they'll still need it. And so, but it is, it is, um, but also he has to fit their scheme. Sure. He, he had, he had some injuries, you know, and teams are going to want, maybe they don't think he's worth that much because they don't want to, because of the injuries. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, it's, but when you represent yourself and, and I had a situation just recently with one of my clients that it's not a football player, but his dad was involved in all these or trying to be involved in these deals and he just was messing it up. It wasn't, he doesn't mean to, it's his dad, right? He cares about the kid, but you know, he, 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 he didn't understand his, his kid's worth. He hmm. overvalued his kid, which most parents yeah. would, right? Sure. So I have to do a reality check and I have to say, okay, 
I have to ask them if I'm if I'm doing endorsement deals or NIL deals, I ask the brand what they want. Oh, I want this from this particular athlete. Great, we can do that. How much do you want to pay the athlete? This much. How long do you want this contract to go? Okay, this much. Great, I'll write up a contract. I'll give it to my client and then we discuss it. If he doesn't want to take it, he doesn't have to. But you do have to understand that brands in the NIL space are only going to, you know, they have to have a return on their investment. It's the same thing with an NFL team. They have to have a return on their investment. And if you're hurt, trust me, they don't like injured players. That's costing them money and you're not playing. Yeah. So I think, but I do think Lamar should wait. I think he should wait till after the draft. Okay. That, that's and, interesting. And see, and see did, did Aaron, I don't know if Aaron went to the Jets yet, but that's kind of like, kind of a, kind of a, I think that's going to happen. Yeah. And so, and you know, and then see, see what's out there. You know, and, and maybe they still resign him there. I don't know. I don't know what his relationship's like with the, but they have a good owner there and they have good management there. They have good coaches. They have a very solid, stable situation. So I don't know. Well, that that's kind of what I was talked about. Uh, you're referring to Steve Bishotti, the owner. Um, I'm forgetting the, the general manager's name. I always think Ozzie Newsome, but I, I forget that he's he, he retired. He retired a few years ago. Uh, DaCosta. DaCosta is the G- GM yeah. there. Um, no, th- I've always said they've had a great organizational structure. We got a comment here from uh, from Barry. He said, Jill makes a great point. Lamar is great beyond. Not a lot of GMs want to explore uh, the great beyond a, a Beyond without certainty of what that player can be long term, it's not an easy equation to solve. And that's that's kind of been the, the the fascinating part to me is that you've got such a talented player that's accomplished so much. You have the fact that he's been injured. You have the fact that uh, again the fully guaranteed deal maybe that's holding things up. But it, it, it's a yeah. fascinating point you make about him waiting till after the draft because that's the draft compensation is what a lot of teams think about in terms of making a deal for a player of Lamar's caliber. Yeah, and somebody might might do something. He might end up with a trade during the draft they might that's true you know i I don't you know i don't know maybe he's completely a free agent though because then they won't be able to trade him but um you just don't know what's going to happen you know what i'm saying so i think in lamar's situation he should wait but i do think he should get representation even if it's just an attorney to help him with the deal and to sift through the filter because the problem is and i don't blame him for this He's going to be compensated. He's going to be compensated a lot. Do you want to pay somebody 3% of your check? I wouldn't. I would rather do a flat fee or something and say, hey, I'll do the deal for you. I'll charge you this much money and I'm out. I'm done. Right. But I at least got you through the situation. Because if, if his mom's doing it, which might be the case, I think it was his mom that was helping him. Yes. And that is, I'm telling you, I just had, I just had this situation with a different, same situation. And that's why they ended up hiring me. And I've got way more deals for him ever since I've been helping him. That's why, that's why we need agents like you. That's why I bring you on the show. to kind of get your. I'm not saying that. It's just that, listen, I'm a parent. I love my kids, but I'm also in sports. So I'm a little more realistic. Like there's a lot of really good athletes out there. Absolutely. No, that, that, that's, but that's, I was curious about that. I'm glad Parnell brought that up in the comments because that's something I wanted to ask you. Um, you, you brought up something in, in your answer that I definitely wanted to get into. And it's something that I've been talking about since I started the show three and a half years ago. And that's NIL. Um, I think the fact that finally, you know, athletes are able to profit off of their on-field accomplishments is something that's long overdue. 
Yeah. I think it's something that that is needed. Talk about your involvement in NIL. I'll sort of get into sort of I was mentioning maybe they need to put a few more guardrails in place, things of that nature. But talk about how uh, do you have any clients that are uh, college athletes? Yes, I do. Yes. Okay, so well, talk I, about sort of that process. When when I um, when the legislation was coming down in California, which I live in California, um, I talked to um, my husband was coaching at USC at the time, and I I talked to the general counsel there at USC, and I said, "Boy, what do you think the NCAA is going to do?" Because he was on, he was very involved in the NCAA, and right. he goes, "I don't know. I don't think they have an answer for this." And this was before the July first deadline. Okay, this was probably about. Might even have been a year before. And so I started really researching it, all the legislation, everything coming down, what the student athletes were saying, everything that was being said. Um, also, just, you know, they had a bunch of congressional hearings, players, student athletes were concerned about health and safety and NIL. Okay. And they did not come up with a federal law because they couldn't agree on that. Okay. Because right. there's one group that wants both and the other group's okay with just some more federal legislation. And then what happened was all the different states started passing laws because they saw it was going to impact their, their college recruiting, if you want the truth. Yep. So um, I decided to start to dabble in representing players and also consulting with athletics departments, both. Um, and so what I recognized really quickly with 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 athletes is the key to the whole thing is them having a huge social media following because if they didn't have a social media following brands just aren't even going to be attracted to them it had nothing to do with their playing this was at first this was before the whole collective thing now let's, let's fast forward what's going on now so there's three ways that that um athletes can earn money they can earn money by local businesses where they maybe are going to school or maybe even their hometown that those are really good markets for those athletes whether they have a lot of followers or they just are great players right great athletes at whatever right. sport they're in. then there's all of these apps there's influencer open doors there's there's hundreds of them and they should all be putting their profiles on there and the profile requires that you put all your social media handles on there to see how many followers you have and then brands will contacted you contact you if they're attracted to what you are as a brand okay and you can also pitch to them on those apps and i encourage people go on all the apps there's like 60 of them there's not just two there's tons and you should put your stuff on there so that's another way that the third way that that everybody's talking about in the media are these collectives now all these and this is where i've done some consulting work is all these different schools have formed collectives and it gets a little dicey because you cannot use boosters to induce athletes to come to school there. Okay. Again, yeah. I say coaches, you can tell them you can earn this much money. Our collective is paying approximately this much money for athletes who join the collective. You can't use it to steal a player from another team, even though that's really what's happening. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what's really happening. Um, and so between the transfer portal and the collectives, it's gotten really dicey, particularly in, in, you know, like football, basketball, even women's basketball. The first team that got into trouble was actually the women's basketball team in Miami. The, the Cavender. I, I remember that. 
Yes, uh, some booster tweeted that I had them over for dinner on their recruiting trip. Well, booster, it's always been against the NCAA rules that boosters cannot be involved on an official visit of a student athlete. That is still the same rule, okay? So there's getting to be a little bit of fuzzy. If the kids are there at the school, you know, that it's way easier. Then, you know, you could have the, the athlete over for dinner in exchange for, you know, them being in the collective and you want them to meet with your, you know, customers, whatever, right? As long as they do something in exchange for the money. So, and then then there's a lot of nonprofits also that are utilizing um, student athletes. And that's another way. And, and there's actually a fourth way they could start their own clothing brand. Mm. And I think if you have a real, a whole lot of followers, that is not a bad option either. And there's actually an app out there that you can design your clothing and they'll ship it to them and you just promote the the uh, link and you can sell clothes with your brand on it, your brand, not your school's brand. And and that's really where I found, um, you know, to be the most, those are the areas you can really get deals for guys. And they're doing well. Lots of guys are, yeah. guys, women and men are doing really well in the space. It, it's, it's, the thing they didn't anticipate was the collective thing. The rest of it, yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's that's why I mentioned um, what I was talking about on the show earlier, and I've talked about it in the past, is whether or not there does need to be some guardrails in place. I know you talked about uh, the booster aspect of it, and, and, and you know you mentioned uh, how some teams are stealing guys from other teams. I, I know there was last year, I know there was a big dispute between Nick Saban and uh, Jimbo Fisher between A&M and Alabama. There's a big back and forth between them. Um, but I think it's really fascinating. What's sort of your thoughts on that though, about are there some, are there certain things that need to be put in place to make it, I don't want to say more fair because listen, fair, fair is a place where you get corn dogs, but basically put it into place where it's, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, where it's more structured. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. Well, you know what? Listen, there's the SEC and those guys can fight and they can have some equity then there's, you know, the Big Ten. They can fight and be have some equity. Pac-12, fight, be in equity. There's the Mountain West, you know. So if everybody, if you really look at everything, I think the leagues all have similar things going on. So it starts to be the same thing, right? What they're right. really doing is like, and I, and I won't use any certain name, but let's say, well, let's say hypothetically USC, okay? And you're Lincoln Riley. I leave Oklahoma and all of a sudden his quarterback goes to USC. I mean, come on. Sure. That just happens without just, oh, no. I guarantee you he was guaranteed something, right? Of course. And I mean, so so what's really happening is teams like a USC are targeting kids that are great players at maybe another school that are maybe unhappy, they're going to their high school coach, they're coming to people like me, or an athlete's coming to me and saying, hey, Joe, I know you lot of, know a lot of coaches. Do you think if I go in the transfer portal, I can get something? And that's really what's going on. It's I mean, become like college football free agency. It's free agency with no rules. That's what I call it. Drives my husband yeah. nuts. He comes home and he's just pissed off every day. And I said, well, you can't violate people's right to publicity. I told you that. Um, the NCAA should have never been interfering with that. It's unconstitutional. And here we are, right? And and really, Ed O'Bannon, the Court of, Court of Justice book is really good, but Ed O'Bannon's really the one who who challenged the NCAA and won. And that's why we're here. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's no, no. The, the NIL, the transfer portal, has really, uh, and and I think in a good way, cha- changed college sports as we know it. Um, final question, just in in totality for uh, for the NFL, and I, I didn't know that you represented people outside of football. That I think that's that that's even oh, better. I, 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 I've done you know Olympic athletes, and you know because it's all the same. It's negotiating deals for people, getting endorsement deals for people, protecting them contractually. And then marketing them to get jobs, whatever their job is, right? Right. Football coach, basketball coach, NFL player, UFC fighter, boxer. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, you just, you just, you learn about their league, you figure out who's making the decision and get to know them. And that's what you do, right? It's, it, it doesn't take long, to be honest. Well, that, that, that's really interesting to me. And, you know, sort of the last question I was going to ask you, just like I said, you've, you, you you've really established yourself as as you know as, as you know, best way I can put it is it's really 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 good in this business. You you've had a ton of clients clients obviously they trust you. What would be what would you say to people? What's your favorite thing about the job? What's the thing that gives you the most satisfaction, the most fulfillment about being a sports agent? I you know I think I like it when I see them like we were at an event on Saturday night at the spring game and I saw two of my players that played in the league for like seven years. And I'm just so happy to see them like doing other things in life. They're married. They got kids. They're happy. They're healthy. I don't know. And and I have a really good connection to them, right? Because I represented them for seven, eight, nine years. And and then I'm just always excited too when they get what they want. Which most mm. most athletes, great athletes that really have the passion, they just want to play their sport. Because when it's over, holy smokes, they are in the dumps. And so that part of it I don't like. I don't like when they get cut. I don't like when coaches get fired. I'm married to a coach. And my dad's a coach. You know, sports are not that nice. (laughs) It's a tough business. You lose, you get fired. (laughs) Your best player gets hurt, you might lose. (laughs) Your QB gets down. You're not going to be as good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's so hard. It, it is. So, so basically what you're saying is like, you, you almost feel as if maybe you have, maybe you played like a small factor in them developing, not just as athletes, uh, but as, as people, you know, being able to. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I, I, I like my job. I don't even feel like I'm, it's, I'm working to be honest with you. Hey, that's the American dream right there. Yeah, and I and I always had my own business. See, I've never worked for somebody else because believe me, mm. in 1987, nobody was going to hire a woman to do it. What I didn't until right. now, I really was the first woman. I just didn't know it because I wasn't. Sure. My dad just called me and said, "Hey, Gary needs help. You got to help him." Okay, that's what we do. Right. Well, you're in that regard. You're 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 kind of a trailblazer. So props to you and props to. Yeah, I was, um, apparently, I was a trailblazer, and then I started my own company. I didn't work for somebody else. Like I said, I don't think anybody would have hired me. Clients would, but not like like Lee wouldn't have hired me. Right. Feinberg, you see what I'm saying? Like back sure. then. Now he maybe would, but I'm saying back then. That, that's I mean, the, that that's fascinating. Like, like I said, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I know it's you know kind of a you know crazy back right. and forth trying to get you. What did, what did you talk about? The NBA before I got there? Did you talk about the NBA playoffs? What's going the on? NBA playoffs, NFL. I was talking about the Tua thing and Jalen Hurts getting paid. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Nicole represents him. A woman here. Yes. Did great. So there yeah. you go.
how things change. It all, it all ties in together. It all makes sense. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for coming on kind of short notice and uh, hopefully we can have you on again. Okay, great. Sorry. I was late. Don't worry about it. Appreciate it. That was Jill McBride Baxter joining carving it up live. Uh, It's so fascinating though, to learn about the sort of the business aspect of it in terms of, because because that's all that that's we we cover the draft we cover you know obviously the first round is 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 highly rated every year you know night one it's usually like eight to midnight uh, round two and three on Friday and then four through seven on Saturday but it's always fascinating I always look at when the draft is over some of the the higher profile college football players that are you know highly touted see if they can maybe you know make it into uh, the NFL's an undrafted free agent who picks them up um, and again it's it's like I was what we were talking about that. We hear about best player available. We hear about, uh, and that's that's more prevalent, I think, in the first round than it is four through seven. At that point, it's just draft a position of need. Um, but just the the business, the the strategy that that comes, you know, to fruition that that comes around, uh, you know, the entire situation as a whole, I think, is is really really fascinating. Uh, so yeah, thanks a lot to to Jill. So uh, yeah, so l- listen, there's the NBA play. I think, matter of fact, I think Brooklyn and Philadelphia might have just tipped off. Uh, they, they have uh, Nets with an early lead, so definitely looking forward to watching that. And then Golden State and Sacramento tonight. So uh, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, as well as the uh, Carving Up YouTube channel and the Grid YouTube channel. Be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, uh, you can check out my show on the, on the Grid on YouTube. As well as Barry, you saw Barry in the comments. Uh, you could check his show out on YouTube, as well as wherever you get podcasts Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Google, anywhere you get them. Parnell saw him in the comments, the Commander's Demand podcast. Check his stuff out. Patrick Brown, the Chaotic Sports podcast, the Forum Lakers podcast. Uh, saw him in the comments. Definitely be sure to go check uh, his stuff out. Ryan Flowers mentioned him earlier. Clutch Sports Talk doing incredible work with the draft. Uh, listen. Cannot wait for the car. For, I'm sorry for the grid 2023 NFL draft live reaction show. Uh, Ryan's going to be a big part of it. I know just with the work he's been doing on social media uh, and on YouTube with that. So check his stuff out. Clutch sports talk. We've got Alfred Parsar jr. Of the Metropolitan report. Again, I mentioned Max Scherzer getting suspended 10 games. Wow. That is a uh, very questionable as far as I'm concerned, but I'm sure he'll have a lot to say about it. Uh, and he's got the Rocky Field Jets podcast. Again, uh, Jill mentioned the Aaron Rodgers situation. It's still kind of up in the air. Who knows? But that's going to be a factor uh, as well. So check out uh, Alfred's stuff. The Cowboys can fan. The like the, the funnest hang in the world as far as I'm concerned. Check their stuff out on YouTube and on uh, the Grid Network. So I'm pretty sure I got every uh, And Jamel, obviously, you saw him in the comments. He writes for the network. Uh, does a fantastic job. Go check out the Grid uh, Network's web page. See if I can put that on my social media pretty soon. All right. Have a great evening, everybody. Dubs are winning tonight by 10, guaranteed. And it's going to be a 2-1 series when I come on the show tomorrow. Have a great evening, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please be sure to call your local state senators and representatives and demand change for the horrible problem in America that is gun violence. We've got to get changed, and we've got to get it soon. Have a great evening, everybody. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Go Dubs! Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button. 
and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.